0: just a word of thanks to all those of you who work with our children in Noah's Ark or Kids Rock at any time of the year. We so appreciate your investing in the next generation that way. We uh, are walking through the Christian seasons this year and by Christian seasons, I mean not just Advent and Christmas, but Ash Wednesday, Lent, Easter, and we're focusing, on discovering jesus in the old testament as today we'll be looking at uh, accounts prophecies shadows of his advent in the old testament we're calling it house of shadows and um, you will find at the resource center this um, brochure that brett canote beautifully designed that will kind of help guide us through these christian seasons There are also some special workshops, some that will be held online, some uh, in person. And if you're interested in that, you can pick one of those up um, this morning. Now, you may be wondering, why would you call this House of Shadows? What's this word, shadows, all about? Well, it has to do with the way the word shadow is used in the New Testament regarding things in the Old. On the screen, you'll see a verse from the book of Colossians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing the church at Colossae and says, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. He's essentially saying, don't let someone put you back under the mandates of Old Testament ceremonial laws. And then he says, these are a shadow. They're a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. There are shadows in the Old Testament, pointing to the substance who is Christ. It's been said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The old is in the new revealed. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 4 was speaking about the the Old Testament priests who offer sacrifices uh, according to the Old Testament law. He says, they serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. So the word shadow, as it's being used here, has to do with a a foreshadowing, an indication of a future event. To me, it is a remarkable thing to increasingly discover how Jesus is presented in the words of the Old Testament. Jesus himself pointed to these words in what must have been the most remarkable conversation, I think, in the history of the world. You see in Luke 24, two verses from that conversation, Jesus joined two of his followers on the road to Emmaus after he had been raised from the dead. They did not recognize him initially, and they were discussing things that had transpired in Jerusalem in the the previous days. things that had to do with his crucifixion and with his resurrection now, they said. As he revealed himself to them, here's what he said. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, and when he says Moses, he's referring to the writings of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, beginning with Moses, And all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I don't know about you, but I would love to have heard that conversation. To hear Jesus himself explain all of the types and shadows, the predictions, the prophecies about him in the Old Testament. This morning we're going to be looking at some of these shadows or these prophecies or predictions. And today, especially uh, one that's found in Genesis chapter 12, which was read for us just a moment ago, I think of it as the second significant shadow or prediction of Christ found in Scripture. The first we saw last week in Genesis chapter 3, where God himself decreed, that there would come someone the offspring of the woman who would bruise who would crush the serpent's head destroying satan's authority the shadow today has to do with a remarkable person in scripture Uh, his name initially was abram which means father of many god would change his name to abraham father of many peoples father of a multitude we know him as abraham he is uh, mentioned throughout Scripture three times in the Bible. Abraham is called the friend of God. He's far from perfect. If we read the rest of chapter 12 uh, that was read this morning, we would see him stumbling pretty badly. But because of his faith, and Abraham's name almost becomes synonymous with faith in the Scripture, um, he had. Uh, an especially close and beautiful relationship with the Lord. The very first verse of the New Testament includes Abraham's name. In Matthew 1.1, we read the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The genealogy of Jesus begins with this man, Abraham, Another passage, in addition to Matthew chapter 1, that's often read the Christmas season, the Advent season, is Luke chapter 1. And I think one of the most beautiful passages in Luke chapter 1 is Mary's Magnificat. It's her exclamation of praise to God for what He has done, what He is doing, what He's going to do through the child who has been conceived In her womb and she begins by saying my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior and later in this wonderful proclamation of praise she says this he referring to God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever now what was it that God the Lord spoke to Abraham and to his offspring forever. What was it that God said? That's what we're going to look at this morning. I think the answer is found in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And we see God working, and it begins with God's call. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred in your father's house to the land that I will show you. God now is going to initiate something extraordinary. He's going to begin working through this man, Abram. Again, Abram was not a perfect man, but he was one who would believe God and do what God said. Abram's homeland was a place where people worshipped idols, and you see this in the verse from Joshua 24. Joshua's later recounting God's work through Abraham and and writes, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. And so God calls this man Abraham. It's, It's worth noting, I think, that everything begins with God. Creation begins with God speaking. Let there be light, and there was light. And now redemption, the salvation of his people from our sins, begins with God speaking. The pronouncement that one will come who will crush the serpent's head. God speaking now to Abraham, go. Furthermore, God makes, as he calls Abraham, a promise, a great promise to him. And we read in verse 2, number of I wills. If we read the whole passage, we'll see there's several I wills that God speaks here. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now look very carefully at that sentence. That is, I believe, one of the most, perhaps the most, important predictions, promises, prophecies that God makes in the Old Testament scripture. And we're going to focus on it this morning and see how it is understood for us and interpreted in the New Testament to see what it means. But uh, first, before we come back to that, how did Abram at this point, I'm going to call him Abraham because his name would soon be changed to Abraham. How did Abraham respond to this call and this promise of God. Very simply, Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He's pretty old, wasn't he? God's working through him, and he trusted God and obeyed. Now, this quality of Abraham, uh, trusting and obeying, Faith in action is why Abraham in the New Testament is almost synonymous with faith. The New Testament book of Romans, Abraham is used as an example of faith, faith that saves. In the book of Galatians, Abraham is used as an example of faith, faith that saves. In the book of James, Abraham is again used as an example of faith. And that's where James writes the famous words, faith without works is dead. And he cites Abraham as an example Trust and obedience go together. Faith and action go together. And we see this in the life of Abraham. Abraham. Secondly, not only did Abraham trust and obey, he worshipped the one true God. Now again, he had come from a uh, homeland where uh, idolatry was prevalent. But we see God, having spoken to Abraham, now saying to your offspring, I'll give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Building an altar to the Lord was an act of worship. This man, whose original homeland was a place of idolatry, was now following, obeying, worshiping the one true God. And he becomes an example for us. I think it's worth pausing to just ask ourselves for a moment. Is my life with God like that, where God speaks and I obey? I read something in his word, God speaks, and I say, yes, Lord, I will change in that way. I will uh, step that way as you call me to walk. Are we living that kind of a life? Trust and obedience, faith and action, worship Worship is not just coming to church on Sunday. It includes that for sure, but worship is 24 hours a day. That's why the Apostle Paul said, present your your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's a life of devotion, a life of love. And we see this in Abraham. He's going from place to place, stopping to build altars and worship God in uh, the various places that he goes. Now, I'd like to come back to the promise. And I do apologize for my voice this morning. I've been fighting off a bad bad cough overnight, so I hope you can hear me okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this promise, again, you'll see on the screen. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I could not overstate how important this promise is. It's the promise of the gospel. It's the promise of Jesus coming. It's the promise that the gospel is for all the people of the world all the nations of the earth i'd like to look at how this promise is interpreted for us and understood in the new testament if you've been here long you know that one of the principles of biblical interpretation is that we interpret scripture with scripture if you find a scripture that's unclear you can often understand it more clearly in light of another verse of scripture we can do that because All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is a unified whole, and God does not contradict himself. So how is the promise, and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed, understood in the New Testament? One of the great Christmas passages in the Gospel of Luke has to do with a prophecy by a man named Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist, and when Zechariah learns that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a child as the angel had told him. He gives this marvelous prophecy some uh, lines later in Luke chapter 1. And part of that prophecy reads, to show the mercy promised our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child and this would be John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Let me just stop right there and say that in this prophecy, Zechariah is making a connection between the oath that he swore to our father Abraham and salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. In other words, John the Baptist was going to go before Jesus, and Jesus was the one who was going to be fulfillment of that promise to Abraham, salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. How else was it used in the New Testament? Fast forward to the book of Acts chapter 3. The apostle Peter is speaking here to a group of Jewish people And he says, you're the son to the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham. Now, this is what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. If we read the whole passage, we would see that he's preaching the gospel to them. He said, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This blessing spoken to Abraham is salvation. That which turns us from wickedness and turns us to the true and living God. Now perhaps the most clear interpretation of the promise to Abraham is given us by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3. He's talking about the fact that our salvation is through faith, not by works of the law. And he says this, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, quote, and you shall all the nations be blessed. Now the word justify means God declaring a person forgiven of sins, just, made righteous, credited with the righteousness of Jesus. How's God going to do that? Well, it's in fulfillment of the gospel that was preached to Abraham when God said, and you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Now, notice one thing that's different in what the Paul writes, Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 3 from, um, from Peter in Acts chapter 3. Paul changes a word. He changes the word families. In your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed to nations. In you shall all the nations be blessed. He uses a different Greek word. The word for families Peter uses is but Paul uses the word ethne. We think of the word ethnicity. And you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. The Apostle Paul said that is what God spoke to Abraham. Now Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. Jesus descended from Abraham And this is why the first verse of the New Testament starts with Abraham, the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. He is that promised offspring. He would bear our sins himself on the cross. He would rise from the dead and those who would place their faith in him would be justified, cleansed of sin, deemed righteous in the sight of God. Jesus did it all. However, there's part of the promise that's not yet fulfilled. And that's the part that you and I get to be part of. In fact, Jesus calls us to be part of. And it's the all-nations part. We get to be part of it by helping to make the gospel of Jesus known to all the different families or ethnicities or nations of the world. That's why... Our church is involved in world and international missions. Sometimes people will say, why are we so involved in, in world missions when there's so much to do right here? And my response to that is, we're very involved right here too. It's not either or, ever. It's both. Spreading the gospel, helping people in need here and around the world. But in that this verse is talking about the various nations of the world, the different ethne, I want to just take a moment and share with you briefly three things that I learned just this week. And all three encouraged me tremendously, and I want to share them with you because if you're part of our church, you're part of this. We are omitting the first two stories that Pastor David tells from this audio file for the security of the missionaries involved. The last thing I want to uh, share, um, and I think I see... Uh, Our friends here this morning, uh, Pastor Ayman and Wagi and um, uh, Sumar and Mariana, have a wonderful, wonderful ministry um, teaching the gospel online in Arabic. And um, if the room looks familiar to you, I'm so excited that um, recently they've been able to do that from our new discipleship center in the uh, conference room, there, broadcasting online. I don't know that you can see the words in Arabic, but I would especially like to ask you to pray for them, to pray for their ministry, pray for the way God is using them and working through them to reach people around the world. And um, we feel very honored that they would um, would want to do that right here in our building. And if you see cross paths with them as you as you uh, may this morning. Um, perhaps you can encourage them in what they're doing and pray for them. In fact, I'd like to do that right now. So would you would you join me? Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus, the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. Father, we pray for Ayman um, Sumar, Wagi, Mariana, their family and their ministry, that the power of the Holy Spirit work through them, that you open doors, that they would see multitudes, hundreds upon hundreds of people coming to faith in you, that you would be a shield of protection around them, that you would give them your favor, that you would give them the right words as they teach, that you would be pleased to anoint empower and bless that which they are doing, and we give you the honor and the glory for that. Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. I pray for your people this morning, Father. I pray for those who need their faith renewed today. I pray for those who have felt disappointed in you because they have not seen prayers answered and they feel they continue to suffer. Lord, would you remind them that your love for them through Jesus Christ is greater than we can comprehend. Father, would you remind them of your call upon their lives? Would you revitalize their faith and give them a vision of ministry to others through the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you work among us, Lord, that we might be part of this great plan for all the ethnicities of the world? And we pray and ask this in your mighty name. Amen.